Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the Eco Wild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Maxwell, and today we have two ginger bow hunters on with us. We have J-Man, as always. J-Man, introduce yourself. Uh, J.K. Myers, ginger bow hunter, supposedly now called J-Man. Well, okay, and now we have his brother, Thomas, on as well. Thomas, how you doing? Doing good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, especially since you just told me that Jacob... Sometimes refers to himself as J Man. So uh, Yeah, good old days. <laughs> Bring back the high school days. <laughs> J Man. I can just picture Jacob walking around and be like, Hey, J Man's in town. <laughs> <laughs> so so today, uh we've uh we've been having a a bunch of dudes on who are better at deer hunting than us. Uh and this week it's just us because we've been applying some tactics and we've all been hunting our respective states. Um, I've been hunting Georgia. Jacob's been hunting Tennessee. Thomas, you've been hunting Arkansas, right? Yep, Arkansas. Going up here for college, and obviously I'm from Alabama since that's where Jacob's from. And uh, but yeah, I've been doing that basketball, and now I've been trying to get into public land up here in Arkansas. Sweet man, yeah. And so each of us have had. Um, a pretty decent amount of success so far as far as like seeing deer and everything especially the two of you this weekend so that's what we're going to kind of dig into today we're going to talk about kind of the nitty-gritty of you know it's one thing to listen to all these different people we've had on talk about you know the tactics that they use but actually implementing them in each of our own situations you know whether you're a listener or one of us is a different thing because uh, at the end of the day, you know, we're no different than all of our listeners. You know, we're just out there busting on public land, too, um, putting these things to the test. So I know that Jake, both of you guys had really good weekends. Uh, I had a good week last week, but I, I really didn't get to deer hunt at all this weekend. So this is mainly going to be about you guys. Um, so how do we want to start this thing off? Uh, Jacob, we didn't get to cover your last weekend, right? Yeah, that's correct. So... So why don't you run us through that? Yeah, so last two weekends I've been in Tennessee, uh, really just trying to get up there and dive in on some properties that some of them I've had experience on, other ones really haven't, other than like that velvet hunt. Uh, last weekend went up there and it was uh, hunting a place. It's in western Tennessee that you would think would have a lot of deer numbers, but compared to like where I was used to hunting in like middle Tennessee does not even come close to the deer numbers. Um, and really just covered a lot of ground on uh, last weekend up there. Drove around, really scouted a whole bunch, and tried to find some cut corn and also some place that might would have some uh, some falling red oaks. The red oaks are dropping pretty heavily right now. And uh, anyways, after a whole day, dude, of just like kind of like just struggling to find some areas that were worth pushing into, uh, decided to go back to where <clears throat> me and Jacob Emery uh, had success on the velvet hunt because there was cut corn in the back of it and got back there, dude. And it was amazing on how much had changed, uh, since they had cut the corn 
Uh, first thing I, I found, I think the buck bed that Jacob during the velvet hunt, there was a bunch of bucks bedding in these uh, uh, staining soybeans. And I found one of the beds of, I think, the biggest buck that he saw there, uh, which was across the field. And, uh, dude, it was a massive bed, which, of course, he had it used since uh, those beans had probably turned yellow. But uh, you could tell he was using a whole bunch. But, dude, I got back to the backside of that property, <clears throat> which isn't a big, very big piece at all. And come to find out, whoever, the farm that cut it, brought a dozer in there, a bulldozer. And where I wanted to go, there was a wood block on the backside of the property. There's a patch of timber. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the deer were coming out of it. Well, the farmer with the dozer burned up that side of the property against that woodlot. And I have no clue why he did that. Um, did it look like he was trying to make some kind of little pond or something? No. Like for waterfowl? No, no, not even close. Like, it looked like he was maybe just trying to really level it out back there. Huh. Uh, which, when I was back in there in August, you know, it was like tall grass in the back corner right there. Um, you know, around the, of course, around the corn and everything. It was, and it was just a ton of deer sign. I go back and do they absolutely burned that whole uh, property line, and then also they cleared uh, the, a path across the drainage ditch that had a lot of water in it and completely filled it in. Um, anyways, I went back there. There was no deer on. They're very limited. There was a few small little deer tracks, and other than that, there was nothing like it was uh, from you know the velvet hunt. But really, what I was suspecting, you know, there were some old rubs from last year. And there was nothing fresh from this year. So I, I did a one-and-a-half-mile hike on that property, went all the way back to the road, went across the street to some really thick crap, dude, uh, kind of using, again, the tactics that everybody we've had on over the last two, three months to talk about, you know, get in that thick cover and did that and was able to uh, have have some success off the ground. Uh, it, it was a fun little hunting. Um, you know, I had, had a doe come in on me uh, crosswind, and, and she busted me when the wind swirled. She ran off, and I, I heard something behind me, and I, I turned to look, and uh, I saw eyes and ears, and there was a deer, like, you know, 14 yards from me. And he started bobbing his head, and I saw it was a spike. And I was like, you know, get excited for a second. I was like, oh, you know, is this a spike? But then I was thinking, I was like, you know what? I'm on the ground with a tripod. If, if he would let me stand up and turn and get the camera on him and get, like, a really good shot angle, I might would shoot him. Not thinking that this deer would actually <laughs> sit if I stood up. Yeah. I yeah. stand up, turn around. And I'm like, oh, the deer's still standing there broadside, like not really doing anything. So I move the camera over, get him in frame, get a perfect frame on him. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're making this happen. Draw back and shoot him at like nine. Or I, think, I think he's at right at 10 yards. And uh, and I will say that's the smallest buck I think I've ever killed. And I had never been so excited to kill such a small deer. I shot him, absolutely tingering him. And he went down within sight, no uh, no than 50 yards from where I shot him. And I uh, got it all on camera, and, dude, it was just, like, a crazy freaking moment because last year I shot some deer off the ground, but they were never the greatest shot angles. Uh, you know, every deer I shot off the ground last year was, was pretty tough tracking. Where this one went down, I mean, within 50 yards, you know, within eyesight, and bled like a stuffed pig the whole time. And, dude, I was so excited. Uh, shooting those Simmon uh, Makos, so it's a two-blade, two blue blades on there. It's a really nasty design. Went straight through them, and I found it in the base of a tree five yards behind them, and it had penetrated three-quarters of the way up the broadhead. Um, so that was that was pretty exciting as well. But, dude, again, I've never been so excited to freaking be able to shoot just a small deer, but uh, that hunt was fantastic. Uh, but that was pretty much that hunt, dude. Um, yeah. <coughs> that, 
Yeah, that sounded. Yeah, I can attest to how uh, how pumped up you were because you called me right after you shot it. You're like, "Buck down, buck down," <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and the footage is pretty great. I can't wait to show it to people because because uh, you did, like you said. Yeah, I mean, you got it on like footage, like you got it on camera, perfect. Which uh, anybody who self films out there will realize that that is like extremely hard to do on the ground like that. Um, so, dude, that sounds like it was a big confidence booster for you. Um, just like, just being able to like hunt off the ground, and then when you just like, I mean, just drain one like right behind the shoulder, just ten ring, perfect shot, and he goes down in sight. I mean, that's got to be a pretty big confidence booster, right? Yeah, for sure. And it's again taking tactics, especially like get, I've gotten a lot from Adrian Farley after talking to him so much, um, and just finding these really thick areas. And a lot of times they're not very far off the road where these deer are very comfortable that they bed, they have food, water, cover, everything they need, and getting pushing into it. Because what it was, it was a it was a creek drainage where it was old fence road that went along this creek, which creek was dry by far. Um, with a bunch of big red oaks on it, but everything around it was all planted water oaks, and they were tiny. I mean, when I say tiny, you can't get a tree stand or a saddle in any of them. They were, at the very biggest, some of them were maybe five, six inches in diameter, but they were only probably 12 feet tall. Um, you know, very limmy, just kind of nasty with a bunch of grass and just different vegetation growing around inside of it. And the deer were definitely bedding in those areas. And when I sat up, dude, you know, there was a couple spots, I guess you could shoot to 30 yards, but in all honesty, it was going to be like 20 yards and in for the most part, uh, even off, I mean, off the ground. And, uh, yeah, dude, it, it was awesome because, again, I was going in there, no blind, nothing, just sitting in a spot that I had covered to behind me, uh, so I didn't have to worry about anything coming up from behind me necessarily. Um, and just kind of keeping my eyes peeled, dude, and just kind of made it happen. But, yeah, again, it was, it was a confidence booster. And I think it really played into my favor, especially come this weekend, because I kind of use a lot of the same tactics. I didn't necessarily hunt off the ground a whole bunch, but I did hunt off the ground and had a chance to uh, freaking light a doe up before her best friend busted. <laughs> now, I got to ask you this. So, frankly, like last year was not your best year as far as shots go. Like you had you had a couple of really tough track jobs last year. So was uh, was that like killing that spike? And like making such a good shot on him, was that like a like a mental thing? Like, did that did that help you out mentally? You feel like where now it, you kind of got some confidence back as far as like a like making a good shot goes. Yeah, for sure. And it was like one of those things that you know it wasn't very rushed or anything. It's just like it, it was very natural to come back. I mean, just like shooting on target, dude. It, you know, there was nothing like oh, I need I need to shoot, I need to shoot, I need to shoot, I need to shoot, and just come back nice and smooth, settle the pin right up the leg, settle the pin right now, you know. They call it the golden triangle, that little pocket right behind the shoulder, dude, and squeeze off and just watch the arrow fall into it. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest mistake a lot of guys, myself included, have when it comes from shooting targets to shooting deer is you instantly want to drop that bow arm and see where the he- like where you hit on that deer. And you know, thank you know, thankfully that deer, I, did, I mean, didn't do that. It kind of settled and really just kind of shot and kind of like followed it through my sights and dropped the bow down uh, when it you know took off. Um, and then swung the camera on it. But, yeah, that definitely was a big confidence booster to make a really good shot on that deer, even though, again, he was at 10 yards and, you know, completely broadside and had a, you know, a really good shot angle on him. Yeah. Um, definitely I feel like that plays a part into having more confidence later on throughout the season, just be like, okay, you know, it's just killing a deer. I mean, that's that's all it comes down to is getting a shot angle, hold your pin, and, you know, and just, you know, execute it. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's something that I don't know that me and you've talked about. I don't know if we talked about it on here or not, but I mean, like, I've I've killed a pretty decent amount of deer, like for my age at least. I mean, I've killed most guys my age haven't killed like a, a ton of deer. I would say um, I've, I'm somewhere. I think I'm mid twenties right now as far as deer go. Like how many I've killed, but I haven't killed that many with a bow. So with a rifle, I'm like I'm confident, man. Like it, it's gonna die if it gets in front of me with a rifle. But with a bow, I'm just like I'm just not super confident with a bow yet just because i've only killed a handful of deer with a bow thus far so it's like at this point i'm kind of feeling like i just need to kill whatever whatever i can with a bow and just kind of get good at killing stuff with a bow uh because i don't think I'd, i don't think it'd necessarily be a good idea for me to like pass up a whole bunch of opportunities because i feel like once i get that opportunity at like a really really nice animal i'm going to screw it up because i haven't had enough experience killing stuff with a bow does that make sense yeah, and I can't, I mean, I can't agree more with you just because, you know, and I've heard other guys talk about, I can't remember who it was, we've interviewed somebody, like, you, you can't prepare yourself for a situation if you don't have a lot of kills in your belt. Like, it, it's hard to execute on a, on a really big deer and kind of manage yourself, manage that shot, if you don't already have a, 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 a lot of experience under your belt on how to handle those situations. Uh, that's why, you know, dumping, you know, if you can shoot a few does, you know, up in Middle Tennessee, you kill three does a day. Uh, for the whole season, so not saying shoot two does a day, but you know if you want to dump a few does throughout the season, that's giving you some experience right there in the beer of kind of how to you know maintain yourself and just execute that shot and really understand the full anatomy of the deer of where you need to hit it, uh, and then also have faith in your gear and your equipment, and also you have faith in yourself that you know you can execute it, uh, which is I think huge because dude, that's like the biggest thing is like you know especially when you have deer, whatever your max range is, you know. You know, you have a deer out in that cusp of that max range, especially if it's a big deer. You know, you're kind of already worked up. You know, most times, you know, I personally don't have a lot of experience, you know, kind of maintaining myself and keeping myself cool in that situation at a deer that's, you know, 35 yards plus. Yeah. Um, that's why, you know, most situations like that, like, dude, it's, it's going to have to be closer than that for me to be able to want to shoot it. Um, which, I mean, Thomas, you're – I don't know – you're kind of the same way. You just now, this is your first year actually with a, a vertical bow for the most part. You've been hunting mostly with a crossbow the last four or five years, right? Yeah, this is my, I got it for Christmas last year and uh, been present with it a good bit. But like like y'all said, I'm not that confident because I haven't even took a shot at a deer yet with my bow. Just been target practicing. Yeah. <clears throat> if if I was going to give you advice, I'd say kill everything that's legal with that bow. <laughs> I would say just start just start flinging some arrows at it. Well, not, I mean not I don't mean like fling arrows irresponsibly. I mean like I mean dude, if a little buck comes out at like 7 yards, I mean I would schlock him for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, trying. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so last week we talked about um which the reason that we're doing the, an episode like how we're doing right now is because we're we're kind of going to get into the areas that we've been hunting because we've gotten a lot of questions about like uh like what the what the areas that we we talk about every week look like and kind of like a breakdown of what those areas look like and how you hunt them because it's one thing to say go hunt a thicket but it's another thing to like understand how you actually go and execute that which Jacob I think that your story from this weekend will be like an excellent excellent uh, um example of like how to do that but um 
But like implementing these tactics, because it's one thing to hear the tactics, it's another thing to go go implement them. So I, I think this will be like a, I think this will be a really helpful episode for people out there, um, as far as like implementing this stuff goes, and then also just like understanding uh, the kind of areas that we talk about, like what thick looks like, like how to how to read it and how to go hunt it, because like it's it's a little bit easier for us, I feel like. Because we get to talk to these guests a lot more than our listeners do. Like we get to talk to them before and after. Like I know Jacob, you've you've talked to Adrian like every day or something, right? Yeah, yeah, I talk to him a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and you know, we're always exchanging pictures with him and everything. And so I mean, I know that listening to a podcast, it can be pretty difficult to like piece together what something actually like looks like or whatever. Um, so yeah. Um. On the on the flip side, I didn't get to hunt. So I hunted last Tuesday, and then I didn't get to hunt again until this past Tuesday. So I went like a full, or actually, yeah, I guess it was seven days. Um, I, I couldn't hunt. So I went back in that same area I went to. It's that, that high-graded ridge where the hardwoods are up there. And it like I said, it's high-graded. So basically those hardwoods are thinned. They came in and cut the, the nicer trees and left the other ones. So you got nice, thick stuff up there. And, uh, so I go up on this ridge and I'm coming in here for the, the second day in a row and these hardwoods butt up against some cut pines that were cut, you know, however many years ago, it's really, really thick cut over now. And, um, I'm like, okay, they got to be bedding on that transition or they're probably up in the pines a little bit. And then there's going to be some, what you, I guess what you'd call like satellite bedding out on the hardwood ridge and the thicket on the hardwood ridge, which this thicket in the hardwoods isn't necessarily briars and vines and stuff. It's more like little tiny, like half inch diameter, one inch diameter, like maple trees and uh, little oak saplings and just all kinds of stuff like that growing up. And there's just like millions of them probably up there. There's everywhere. And uh, you can't see more than like five to 10 feet in them. So, uh, the last week I was down the ridge a little bit more, like down farther away from the pines. So this week I was like, okay, I saw more deer up that way. Michael saw those bucks come out of the pines. So I need to go get closer to the pines. So I ease up this valley and I get up there and I take my time. I think that from like the last hundred yards, it legit took me like an hour to move a hundred yards. Cause I was just very slowly working up there. Cause you're talking about a spot where, you're you're walking within, I mean, easily within 60 yards of bedded deer that are laying there like right then. So you had you like I, I'm like okay, I got to be really careful getting in here. So I ease up this hill and I get up to the top, and then basically I stand there and I just listen, and I listen for oaks that are dropping. And for me, like just my thought process, I was like, okay, I want to listen and find an oak that's dropping without the help of like the wind like an oak is just dropping acorns it doesn't need wind to blow it out or anything where they're like really coming out of there so i'm standing there and you know it's windy and you'll hear them drop here and there and then it gets silent the wind kind of dies for a minute and then i hear i keep hearing this one red oak dropping even when the wind is not blowing so i'm like okay that one so i ease over there and i look and sure enough there's some feed sign under it but you know we talk about feed trees a lot and like a ridiculous amount of sign under these feed trees and it's like tilled up and there's deer crap everywhere well i can't find that up there i mean i just can't find it um and my theory for that is there's like probably throughout like the whole length of this ridge there's probably like 20 trees that are dropping 
So it seems like, and from what I've seen also, they're coming out and they're hitting like one tree and then they're walking to another one and they're not just like pounding a, a single oak, you know. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, it had good enough feed sign under it where I'm like, okay, surely they're eating at this one. I, this is the best thing I have to go off of because I don't think that one of these trees is necessarily more uh, more like desirable than the other one. Even the white oaks, you know, which is interesting. Uh, that's not something you hear a bunch, but, like, I'm just not seeing the deer, like, target the white oaks. I mean, there's white oaks that are dropping up there, but, I mean, I don't see them necessarily hitting those harder than the red oaks, which is interesting. I mean, they're, like, hammering the red oaks right now. Um, but anyways, I get up in the tree, Spike comes out, and he's standing there, and he's eating at, like, 30 yards under this red oak. And this is a good example of what you were talking about, Jacob, um, with, like, getting drawn back at, like, your max distance. Because me, for my max distance, that's going to be 30 yards for sure. So he's sitting there, and he's right on the edge of my max distance. And I can't shoot him because there's antler restrictions on this place. So uh, I, like, stand up, and he's on my weak side. So I, like, I practice, like, getting them in frame and everything and drawing back on him and just kind of going through the motions. And I tried – he was he sat there for a long time. So I was able to try, like, two or three different, like, ways of, like, positioning myself to draw back on him, like, for that offside shot. And I was really surprised at how much, like, I could not hold that pin on his vitals when I just swung the bow around the bridge and just kind of, like, did it like that, like, kind of the fastest way to, to turn, like, with the saddle – uh to shoot a deer like i would draw back and man i was like doing eight figures like i could not stay on his vitals so i was like dang so i stood up and i did the whole turnaround thing where you you stand up and you turn around on the platform and you stand up on it and kind of lean into your tether i did that and i was like yeah this is solid i definitely could have shot him and then i tried one other way where i like went around the back side of the tree and like pushed off the side of the platform and that worked pretty well too uh but anyways saw him Saw five more deer, but they all kind of skirted me like last time. They all kind of stayed in the thick stuff where I couldn't really shoot them. Uh, ended up seeing two of them were spikes. The only two that I could have shot were spikes, which was pretty annoying. But uh, these deer were coming out of the pines. A lot of them were coming out of the pines. And the two spikes came out and walked the edge of the thicket. And there was rubs running down the edge of the thicket. So I don't know if they did it or if one of the bigger bucks did it. But there's rubs running down there where they're kind of working that transition. And then the does came out, and the does came out of the pines, and they worked straight down the spine of the ridge and stayed, like, in the thick stuff, like, never left it. And uh, they just kind of milled around in there, and I could hear, like, two or three different deer in the thicket, like, popping acorns in their mouth. So, I don't know, dude. That was a pretty interesting uh, experience. And my thing now is I know the deer are up there, but I just don't know of, like, where to get that's necessarily going to narrow them down. So I think next time I'm just going to go climb on the very spine of the ridge on the very top and just get as high as I can so I can see down into the thick stuff and see what happens. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say definitely my hunt this weekend was very much based around thick cover. Um, you know, kind of, you know, segueing to Tennessee again – me and Jacob Emery decided to meet up uh, in Tennessee and uh, try a different property, one that I've had some experience with and success with, uh, some success, Jesus, with, uh, over the last uh, year or so. And um, we actually went to a parcel on it, um, 
that you and me have had some run-ins with some pretty large deer, dude. Yeah. Uh, actually, really massive. big bucks, huge bucks, yeah. giant deer, and uh, decided that we were going to try to take this cold front. We had a huge cold front pushing through uh, Friday night uh, when we were up there. And uh, anyway, it's just want to try to take full advantage of it, dude. And I will say this, I am kind of upset I did not bring rattling antlers, uh, which is crazy to hear, uh, especially a Southerner say that uh, on October the 12th. But Jacob actually went out into a cut cornfield we both scouted Friday afternoon. We were driving around like he was kind of checking a bunch of spots out. I was checking a bunch of spots out. And he actually witnessed and filmed two bucks sparring. And one of them was a pretty good-sized deer sparring and fighting in a cut cornfield on public. Yeah. And uh, and he told me that, and he showed me the footage. I was like, I cannot believe that. And they weren't just, like, ticking antlers. They were actually kind of shoving each other around. Um, so that guy's kind of fired up. Just about the whole aspect of possibly, you know, finding some pretty good buck sign and maybe finding uh, just a little more, you know, aggressive behavior with some of these bucks. Well, <clears throat> he didn't know where he wanted to go that morning for that morning hunt on Saturday. I kind of knew of an area that I think would be decent for him to get in, but I told him it's going to be super thick, dude. Uh, where we target up here, at least, especially where I'm going to be targeting this year, is very, very thick cedars. Okay. Yeah. Um, when you look at it from the road, it is very intimidating. Um, I know guys that hunt these areas with a rifle and they'll, you know, they'll do it with a rifle just because it's, it's so thick, but not many guys I've talked to and have experienced have actually gone in there with a bow. And that's kind of like what we focused on. And I told, I, I warned Jacob, I was like, Jacob, when you walk in here, dude, it's going to be really thick, thicker than probably anything you've ever walked in your entire life. And it's going to be very intimidating in the dark when you got your headlamp on, because uh, you're yeah. not going to be able to see far at all. I mean, you're going to be looking at like you know, especially there's a lot of privet there, and you'll be looking at a lot of privet in front of your face. And there's not many good trees again. And I bar- let them borrow the saddle, and uh, I'm like, I don't know what it's going to look like on that hillside, but I know there's a ton of deer here. I, I joked with them. I'm like, dude, this is the one property I know of that if you cannot consistently get on deer or get on deer within you know, 24 hours or so, you need to reevaluate what you're doing and your kind of, you know, experiences you've had previously before this. Because uh, there's just a ton of deer out there. Yeah. Um, like, you should you should be in the deer, you know, out there. There's enough that you're just going to run into them, right? Yes. Like, uh, I, joked, I joked with Jacob. I was like, dude, you know, there's always that saying, like, you know, a blind squirrel, you know, find a nut sooner or later. Well, this is like that blind squirrel's nut is this property. Okay. <laughs> uh, flying up for deer hunter. Um anyways, just kinda hyping it up, so whatever. <laughs> uh, so he anyways, he went up that hillside. I came up from another side and I was gonna go down and uh and check out this fence this old fence row that you had hunted previously. And uh I never had, but you had that experience back in November last year of that buck chasing that doe down there and just a bunch of buck sign and everything. I was checking out the the the, uh, the bottom portion of that old fence row, which what it is it's a bunch of cedars, and then there's an old fence row that goes up through it, and uh, that's where you know some of your your red oaks are. Which really, where I was, there wasn't any red oaks. I don't know what the trees were, but there was some kind of big freaking I don't know. I don't know what they were to be honest. And I, I was going to take photos of them, but they were exactly the same tree that was on um, that little piece of private land that I had in South uh, South Park, Nashville, uh, that was growing all around oh, those fence okay. rows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
what this anyway. place looks like, by the way, this place is like it looks like it maybe was two pastures or something, and mm. they had fences like separating them or something like that, and the pasture just grew up in cedars. That's that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And actually, dude, I was gonna let you know that fence row goes across like the other hillside too, like the side I was coming in from on the south. Mm-hmm. It goes up that side too. Interesting. Yeah, so, it yeah, definitely it must, sounds like it used to be ag then. Yeah. So, but anyways, um, so dude, I get, I you know I decide I'm gonna head down there. I'm gonna get somewhere on a transition or something up that fence row. Okay, that's what I was gonna focus on. Well, I get I go down the hillside get down to the creek, and I look at the creek, and I, I thank God I wore rubber boots. I was like, oh, man, this doesn't look too deep. And it had rain all night. I stepped in there. I was like, I was like, ooh. <laughs> ooh, this might be. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, you know, like, dude, I mean, I'm wearing 18-inch boots, dude, and they are, like, literally a centimeter from going over. And I start crossing it, and dude, I get halfway across, and this water starts coming over the top of my boots. And I'm like, crap. <laughs> and you, you know the first thing that came to my mind? What? Dan Infault talked about being a beast, and he's like wading through like chest deep water. And I'm like, I'm like, if he can do that, I can at least take water up to my knees, whatever, dude. So I just like continued walking across. I got to the other side, climbed up the bank, and got up there. And it's like really, it's like a thick river bottom or creek bottom. Uh, I, again, I don't know what the trees, I, I should have took pictures of the trees for you, dude. Not an oak, it's not, not anything like that. It's, I don't know if it's an elm. Uh, or what, but anyways, it was a relatively, I'm going to say open rip, uh, creek bottom where there, there wasn't a whole bunch of big trees there, uh, but they were kind of spread out, but there was a lot of vegetation, a lot of privet, even like grasses and stuff that was about, I'd say waist high. I got out there, I was like, and instantly I make it 10 yards from the creek, uh, going north of the creek, and there's a m- really good trail, like a massive trail that is parallel in the creek. So I run that trail down to the, to the, uh, the fence row, and I get to the fence row. There's a big down tree right there, big hole in the fence with the deer going through it. I look at it, and I look around, and I'm like, you know what? With this northern wind blowing back towards the creek and everything, I'm like, this would be the perfect spot. And I saw one old hickory that was sitting there, dude, that was like the perfect tree to get in right on the edge of the creek, had a brush pile right next to it, so I didn't have to have to worry about deer coming up behind me or anything. Um, I'm like, that's the tree I'm going to get in. And I can kind of like look you know, towards the fence row, I can kind of look through some of this stuff and, and make it happen. And I climbed that tree, dude, and I was actually using the silent approach steps. And, you know, I told you I was pissed about those, early, uh, like, in the, on the velvet hunt. Yeah. I, okay, I, I really like them now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm bipolar with those things, dude. Well, one time, I, one second I hate them, one second I love them. Uh, they were so compact getting down there, there's no way I could have carried sticks down there. Like, I've been doing it with the, um, with the uh, sling without being loud. There's, there was no way, dude. Yeah. Uh, There's too much stuff I had to walk through. And by the way, when this video comes out of this hunt, guys, for everyone that's been messaging us about what does these, what does the step cover look like? This is going to be the video you want to watch. Cause I, I strategically filmed it to show you guys what this looks like, like what we're kind of trying to find. Uh, because it was the perfect example of perfect deer thickness cover. But when you hunt it, you can actually see into it. And it's, from an aerial view, it's more open than what it seems like on the ground. On the ground, it's thick, dude. Like, it's like you can't ground hunt it. Uh, not not with a bow for any, for any means. You might be able to do it with a rifle or a muzzle, but you can't do it with a gun or with a bow. 
Would would you but, say that's a good criteria to like go by? Is like if you can hunt it from the ground, it's not thick enough. Not necessarily, because I know places that like kind of got some saplings and stuff that's relatively thick that I guess you could hunt from the ground. And like privet, sometimes privet you can hunt from the ground. But really, it just comes down to does the deer have enough cover up to like its back or over the top of its head that it feels comfortable. Um. And that's really what I was going off of it. I mean, it was like one of these areas that deer could walk through it, dude, and the, the vegetation was going to be like ba- about back level, give or take. Um, and, you know, it's just perfect for him. So, dude, I get up in that tree, solid approach steps, rocking it all the way to the top. I didn't have to get very high. I was only probably 14 feet where I had a really good gap in the, in the, um, in the limbs in front of me that I could kind of see everything. I got set up and uh, got situated. I, I mounted the camera arm, and, dude, it's like – five it's probably six o'clock now and sunrise wasn't until six fifty, and i hear something across the creek dude like back where i was and i'm like and it sounded like hooves and i was like man that sounded a lot like a deer and i'm finishing put my camera gear up and everything and it's getting probably about you know a little time goes by it's like six fifteen, and i hear something walking I'm like walking towards me walking towards me and uh and it sounded like a deer walking like down that trail, dude. And also, it just got quiet, okay. And it gets to like where it's like, I mean, barely gray light. Dude. I mean, there's like a, there's a little bit of color in the sky. You can kind of start seeing shapes and stuff around you. And I hadn't heard that noise for a little bit. I go to pull my hood up because it was cold that morning, dude. I pull my hood up, and my back's to the creek. The trees in between me and like that trail and everything. I pull my hood up, dude. And there's a deer that blows at me that is literally like eight yards in front of me, right in a little opening. <laughs> and, and I didn't see it until it blew and then it turned to run off. I couldn't make it, you know, I couldn't tell it was a buck or doe. And, uh, it's you know, it, it runs booner. off. Dude. Oh, dude, I don't, it's, hey, it sounded big when it was running off like everything else. <laughs> but, uh, it scared the absolute crap. So, so kind of go on about the spot, I guess. So I want to, I want to dig in a little bit more into like the actual area. Um, because, like like you said, I was in there last year, and I had on this actually the same exact fence row. I had a like probably, man, I'm probably the biggest buck I've ever seen on public land. Period. Um, came like hauling by me, chasing a doe. Him and another buck were chasing one doe right on this fence line. Same fence line. I was, but I was sitting about, I don't know, a hundred or so yards farther up the the hill than you were. Um, but when I was in there. Uh, which Tennessee guys will really understand what this looks like. Uh, it was basically a lot of uh, Osage orange trees and uh, like a bunch of privet where they met cedars. Uh, and it was just really, 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 really thick. And, I mean, these Osage orange trees, if you look at them, I mean, it's like a giant bush, basically. There's no like, f- There's no like big defined trunk. It's like a bunch of little trunks coming up here and there. It's, like, super thick. I mean, these things go up, like, 10 feet, and then they canopy out. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely, like, has that bedding area vibe to it. I mean, it's, like, you can't hardly get a tree stand in there. And I, last year, I mean, I, I really had to look to find a place to get in with the saddle. I mean, if you can't find a place with a saddle, you know that it's, it's like, a pretty crappy area uh, for hunting off the, um, like, above the ground, I guess. Um, so... How would how would you describe the area? Like, are you looking at more vines and like briars and stuff, or is it more saplings? 
Uh, it was very, I said there was quite a bit of briars. It was some privet, but it wasn't like mature privet. It was like very young, like short privet, okay? Uh, as in like below the waist, like below your waistline. Um, it was kind of grassy where I was at. And on the ground, when you're on the ground, it's thick, but it's like, you know, you can, it was probably like some of the more open, thick areas I've hunted. And that's probably sounds complicated and doesn't make a lot of sense to people. But on the ground, you could see probably 30 or 40 yards on the ground. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit farther in some areas, but there's enough thick cover that if a deer's walking around, he's, it's, he or she's going to feel, you know, concealed. Yeah. When I got out of that kind of stuff and started moving my way, uh, so I, I was on the I was on the the right side of this fence row. Okay, yeah. when you got over to the left side of the fence row, it was more kind of saplings, uh, much smaller trees on that side. Like the the tree selection on like trees to get in. When you went from the right side to the left side, the left side was like very limited on what you could get into. The left depending. side is what I hunted. Yes. Yeah. So and I was on the right side. I was at the very bottom of the hill on the fence row. And kind of come to find out, I had deer on my side, and there was deer on the other side, but it seemed like there was a lot of deer working that left side. And I think what it was, when I got down on the ground, and I kind of analyzed both sides. My side was really thick, dude. Especially, like, you got 25 yards in front of me. It looked like there were some, like, dead trees or something like right there that was still standing, but it let a lot of sunlight to the ground. And it was, dude, I'm talking, like, stupid thick. And again, everything's still green. You know, we haven't had really a, a true frost yet or anything like that. So everything's still green. The leaves are changing. You know, some leaves fall off the trees, but everything is relatively green. And, dude, it was, like, stupid thick right there in front of me. And almost to the point that it might have been almost impenetrable for some deer. Mm-hmm. And it felt like they were kind of traveling more on the other side of the fence for the most part. Uh, so kind of give you a little more run through throughout the hunt a little bit. Uh, after that deer had run off... Um, I had been sitting there. I actually t- told on camera when it got light, and I was like, "Hey, you know that, that the deer blew." I was like, "Hey, you know the deer blew." I don't suspect to see anything for you know thirty, forty minutes, but no, no big deal. And it's kind of funny because you know you hear so many guys like, "Oh man, a deer blew at me." You know, my hunt's over. Dude, and it kind of like what you said. I think you said a couple episodes ago. Other deer really don't care. Like to be honest, like if a deer yeah. blows, you know, if something's in the air, that they, they might be like, "Okay, well, you know, that's kind of weird." They might take off, but. It's not ruining your hunt by no means at oh, all. Dude, I had, so actually, going back to my story, uh, when I was hunting last week, uh, which again, this these, this was like a spike, but still, I've seen it with rack bucks too, uh, especially over scouting like earlier in the year, um, where like a great example is I had, I had one of those spikes to my right down the hill eating at this red oak, and he's 30 yards from me. To my left, I had a little doe slip through. And uh, this doe came through, and she was in the thicket, and she was about 22 yards from me, but I, c- I couldn't get, like, a clear enough shot to feel confident to kill her. So she works right past me, and she gets about 40 yards away, and the wind switches, and she busts me, and she starts blowing like crazy. And this freaking spike just lifts his head up, and he looks at her for, like, probably two or three minutes, and then just goes back to eating. I mean, dude, they just they don't care, especially... Like, when a younger, I, I don't know, I mean, man, I don't know. But, like, younger deer, like, when you see a lot of younger deer, they're just freaking goofy, man. They, like, run around, and they just, like, run through the woods like idiots, and, and they just do all kinds of crazy stuff and make all kinds of noises. And it's like, I got to think that, like, a more mature deer laying around is probably like, no, oh, 
just that spike again or something like that. Like, uh, like deer, deer, and we say the same thing about turkeys. Deer are always making some kind of noise, man. I mean, they're they can be very quiet, but a lot of times, especially in the areas where they feel more comfortable, they're making noise. So I de- I definitely don't necessarily think that blowing or anything like that's going to spook your deer. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And I was I was going to ask hey, Thomas. Um, yeah, where you were hunting. Did you first of all? Did you have any deer blow at you over these last two hunts, especially today? Today, no. But yet, I went uh, yesterday, which was was that Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and I had four does come within fifteen yards of me. But the doe, they walked down my path that I came in on, mm-hmm. and that first doe was a mature doe, obviously. And she was just—you could tell her that she knew something was up. And once she came within, I was about to draw back on her. And she just looked me straight in my eyes. I was like, please don't see me. And, of course, she just saw me, took off, ran probably 30 yards. And then she started blowing. But that was like probably 10 minutes, 15 minutes before shooting light was up. Yeah, and you, you've been hunting off the ground, right? Yeah, off the ground. Because I, I left my stand back home. And so, yeah, I've been hanging off the ground. Yeah, he's trying to go old Zach Fahrenbaugh on him. Better watch out. <laughs> yeah. Long hair. Yeah. Hey, it's working, though. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, dude. Ground hunting's fun stuff. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, Thomas, I want to get to yours. Let's let's tie a bow around Jacob's real quick. So, uh, Jacob, you, you basically ended up screwing up an opportunity at, like, a huge deer, right? Well, no, we're going to get into it. But, yeah, let's let's talk about little Thomas's because it kind of some of this kind of correlates a little bit, but because there's a lot more to my hunt, but I want to kind of break it down a little bit at a time with everything because there's there's a lot of details that I think a lot of people will be able to get out of both hunts. Yeah. Okay. Um. So so do you want to ask Thomas some questions about his then? Yeah. So well, first off, so me and Thomas, so Thomas is up up in school in Arkansas for college, and uh, I, I told him I admitted to him like, dude, you need to try to hunt some public land because I knew there was some around him for sure. And uh, I was like, dude, you need to start trying to hunt some public land. We started diving down on X and found out there's a ton of public land, I mean, within miles of the school, dude, um, of the university. So we started breaking some stuff down, and I was dropping a bunch of pins for him to go scout, and he's been checking them out a little bit at a time. And uh, only recently, I guess you didn't hunt Thomas the first time until Saturday, correct? Yeah, Saturday was my first like day even this year to hunt, actually. Now, what made you pick that spot? Uh, well, I went in there. What was that Thursday, I believe? And uh, I was just—it's connected to the river, so I mean, there's a lot of water in there. So I mean, almost like swamp. So whenever I was walking back in there, it's only a fifty-yard walk, probably to like where the trail starts. I would say, and uh, all I was seeing was a bunch of deer tracks, but I couldn't cross it because I only had. I didn't have my boots with me at the time, and I just, that was, I've only been to two spots scouting so far, and uh, I just, I found more sign within that 50 yards than the two hours I my other spot, so that's just all I had to go off of. Yeah, so you kind of did that, you dabbled in, saw that, and you decided to go hunt it Saturday, and I know you were kind of about the spot to check out, what made you go to the spot you decided to go to, and then kind of give us 
kind of give us an overview of like what are we looking at on that spot like why did you decide that and kind of give us a walk through of like you walking in what were you looking for especially since you know you are bow hunting off the ground yeah so basically whenever i got there i knew that i wouldn't be able to cross where i wanted to go so from what i've learned just by listening to y'all and other i would say people that know how to get into public land hunting uh, water is actually a key that can help you a lot during hunting and especially how those deer go traveling with the water. So whenever I got into there, into that piece, uh, I just started walking. It's probably only honestly a 20 yard wide, like part of woods can like on one side, it's a hay field, which is private. And then on the other side, it's water. So I just start walking along the edge of that water and I'm finding, you know, deer tracks here and there. Honestly, not that much sign, no buck sign at least. And until I start, I'm looking on Onyx while I'm walking and there is like, um, I would call it like a marsh. I know Andrew and you, Jacob, have uh, the pictures, so I don't know exactly what you would call it or not, but yeah, I'd say it's, it's like kind of like a marsh. Yeah, like a marsh swamp, but there's also like a bunch of little creeks running through it. And I'm like, well, that's on public. I'm just going to head and try to hunt that. So I'm walking and I just find some more deer tracks. Nothing, no buck sign, no like crazy amount of sign. Until I get to that marsh and I step out and I start glassing. It's probably only 75 yards wide, but it's, I mean, the marsh is probably two, 300 yards long. So I start just glassing. I don't see any deer, but once I take you know, five steps into the marsh, I'm seeing deer tracks out the wazoo. I'm like, man, this actually might be a good spot. And as soon as I looked at it, I mean, I knew it was going to be probably not exactly where they're going to be bedding, but it's going to be a spot they're going to be going to just because it's like transition from bedding to hardwood to almost like there's also hay fields connected on it. So, I mean, there's a bunch of different habitats right there so once i get into that marsh you know i start walking down the side of it and uh all i'm finding tons of deer tracks and there's this probably five trails in the marsh that come all to this one well it, what it was a muscadine tree yeah. or vine was yeah. that what it was with? Yeah. yeah from what it, from how you described it, it seems like there was a it's a really heavily loaded muscadine vine growing on some kind of bush or something that they're coming up to and they're feeding on and all the trails are kind of coming to that vine so yeah so i see that and i'm like well i'm just gonna set up on this thing and just hope i see a deer or maybe even get a shot at one so uh basically what happens is i get out almost in the middle of that marsh to this one isolated i don't know what exactly what bush it was but you know, I'd get up in it, and I don't even see, I mean, I was figuring that I would see something before, you know, close to dark, but which I didn't, until probably 30 minutes before dark, I look over, and there's, you know, four does coming, I'm like, shoot, I might get a shot at these, so, uh, the terrain-wise, I mean, you could definitely tell that deer were using it, and then, uh, but after probably 30 minutes, those deer walk into the woods, and they come back out and start. So they came off on my right, 
but then they worked around, came from my left, which I was not expecting them to come from. And that's when uh, those deer were coming down my uh, trail came through. So that first doe was, you know, being a spooky. But they're like I like I was imagining, they came straight from where all those trails were coming on, and they were working towards that musket iron vine. And those does were started, I'm 15 yards from that, and uh, they start feeding on it. And the next thing you know, I go to pull back, and she catches me pull back. She, you could just she ran off thirty yards and just started blowing, and but yeah, it's tough. But that spot though, I mean, you get a lot of different. It's pretty good, I would have to say, but kind of thick, kind of like y'all are talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, kind of to break it down for everyone listening, it's the way that marsh sets up because it's very, it's subtle in the aspect. Like when you look at it from the aerial photo. That's not really what jumped jump out at me on, on the uh, that whole property that you're looking at, but it's very oblong. It's very like oval shaped, like very long oval shape, and there's timber on pretty much all four sides of it. And you were seeing the deer coming from the timber, coming out into that marsh like grass, which isn't very tall. How, how tall was the grass again? Probably need a hip hop, which is in between that. Yeah, and then they're just kind of coming out through that and. Could you tell they were feeding at all in the marsh, or were they just kind of traveling through it? They were just kind of traveling through it. They were feeding along the edge of it. Uh, there was a, I don't know exactly what it was, but they were definitely feeding on the edge of it, but not in the marsh. Yeah. So, again, you are just kind of on that transition while they were coming to that, that hot food source, which that food source you found was a, a muscadine vine that was, you know, had muscadines on it. So that, that was pretty cool. And the way you described it when you called me on Saturday was like, you know, there's just a, a ton of tracks up underneath that, that vine and that tree, that little bush, and uh, they were just kind of all coming to it, and you set up, you know, 15 or so yards off it, which is pretty sweet, uh, which is kind of cool because, again, it's just a transition area right there, which is it's different from what we're talking about on different thickness-wise, but it's also a place that during bow season, I don't think a lot of guys would be hunting that because how many guys are going to go in a marsh and hunt off the ground? Yeah. Well, I mean, so That's a good point. Um, my buddy Thomas Nix, uh, from South Carolina, he just killed a doe actually, which congrats, man. Uh, but he was texting me earlier today cause he still got like two days to hunt and, uh, he's wanting to go after a buck. He's been finding like some, a lot of really fresh rubs in there, if I remember right. And, uh, he was like, he was sending me some maps and some Onyx pens and he was kind of wanting my opinion on it. And, I mean, that's pretty much exactly what I was telling him. I was like, you know, as a general rule of thumb, uh, based on who we've talked to and everything, I would say, like, hunt the thickest stuff that you can find. But it also depends on where other people are hunting. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if, like, a place isn't getting as much pressure, the deer are more comfortable in more open areas, which, Thomas, that kind of sounds like what you saw because you were seeing deer – like, not even close to dark, right? Yeah, I was seeing him, especially today, I was seeing him at 2, 2.30. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like, that tells me that they're comfortable in that area. And it's the same thing where I was hunting, um, which, man, I wish I could show people this on the map without, like, ruining my spot. But that spot I've been hunting in Georgia, I mean, man, it just sets up so perfect because there's, like, a like a like a main road on the left and then you got to go down this big valley and then you got to walk all the way up this ridge to get to the top of this hardwood thing and then the back side of that hardwood ridge is like this huge cutover that people aren't going to be walking through 
So the deer at like such an advantage in there and it's so thick and secure. And I mean, I got up in there and a spike came just trotting like a goober out of the bedding area at like two thirty in the afternoon and just was eating acorns. And I mean, I saw deer pretty much the entire time I was there. I mean, man, when you're in a spot that's not getting hunted where they feel comfortable, I mean, they're like different animals. It's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. Like on that, uh, I didn't find any people sign throughout there, no boot tracks or anything, but along that marsh that's uh on the side on that's close to the private, there was one stand but you could tell no one's been in it for two, three years. Yeah. That's the kind of spot yep. I like to find, man. It's the kind of spot I like to find. People well, devoid of people. We, well, as I say, we kind of hit on that for Thomas. Let's, let's transition back to my hunt, then we'll go back to his second day out there because, again, a lot of stuff happened that kind of was different but also was kind of similar on stuff that I was kind of experiencing. Yeah. So kind of going back to my hunt, um, after seeing that, uh, having that deer blow at me, you know, right at, right before daybreak, uh, a little bit of time went by, and I'm, I'm sitting there kind of just talking with the camera and everything, and all of a sudden I hear – I mean, it sounded like I could hear these deer coming from like 150 yards away, dude, just running through the thick stuff. And I turned the camera around and I, I grabbed the bow, and they're on the other side of the fence row, which the fence was probably, you know, 25, 30 yards from me. And they're running straight down towards the creek. And I mean, you can see them just like, you can see the bodies just like coming through the trees. And uh, they ran all the way down to the creek, and I could see them through this like this big freaking there's a bunch of like big saplings back behind me between me and the, uh, the uh, creek with no leaves on so i could see through them and uh, all these does are like piling into the creek dude there's like three does down there they're, they're kind of like mingling around or whatever and they're about to cross and uh i'm just kind of filming them and getting some cool angles and everything and uh one doe again i'm one thing that kind of hurt me, which I'm actually completely missing a hunt from Friday evening, which I haven't talked about yet. But every time I see deer, another thing I learned about this property, if you think you see three or four, look for more because there's probably more with them every time. <laughs> and it's it's really bad because it, it screwed me on two different days. It screwed me on Friday and screwed me on Saturday as well because I thought all the deer were down by the creek. Now, messing with the camera and everything, and back to my right, I mean, right through one gap in the fence, there's a freaking deer standing there at the doe, and she catches me moving my camera and everything, trying to get some cool shot angles. And uh, she blows, and all the deer, like, skedaddled and that were in the creek. They were like, slipping and slide on the slick rock. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> going on, they all went every direction. And then uh, not 30 minutes later, you know, some of the does came back across the creek and went back to the hill. Um after that, you know, I was kind of filming, talking about that, and it was like close to eight o'clock, and I was messing around with the camera, or whatever. I get them on the backside of the tree, creeks behind me. I've got like a really good shooting lane right in front of me, in front of the tree, the big this hickory I was in. I got a shot angle right at twelve o'clock. I got a good shot angle, uh, a shot lane, uh, shooting lane at probably ten o'clock, and then I got a really good uh, shooting lane like right at three o'clock. Okay. And I'm sitting there, dude, and I like I'm messing with something, and I like just happen to look up, and there's a freaking buck standing there, like at 15 yards in front of me, dude, walking right towards me. It's like, oh shoot! And I saw it was a, it was a rack buck, like a little two and a half year old. And I was thinking, I was like, man, if I did not have, because you get two buck tags in Tennessee, 
I was then thinking, I was like, man, if I had not shot that spike, I would absolutely just ground check this buck right here in front of me. <laughs> uh, I was like, well, I'm not wasting a second tag because I know there's a really big deer out there. <laughs> so I even had to start filming, and that's what people saw on the Instagram, even though it was following us. I filmed him. He was uh, he actually worked a scrape right in front of me at like 10, 12 yards. And then he worked his way off right down the creek, down that main trail. And uh, I heard something back behind me, back off to like my, uh, I guess it'd be like my 7 o'clock position back towards the creek. And I look back behind me, and there's another rack buck down in the creek, another like two-and-a-half-year-old. It's kind of a cool little eight point. And uh, he's just milling down the creek, and he kind of like works down the creek and goes off to the other side. Actually, not a lot. He came back up the fence row, on the other side of the fence row, and walked up the hill. And I was like, man, that was pretty freaking cool, dude. And... Uh, you know, it's like, you know, 8.15. And then I just, like, from 8.15 to 9 o'clock, it was just kind of boring. Like, nothing was happening. And I hadn't been on my phone previously much. So I started getting on Facebook, like, freaking just bad habits and start like, texting. Jacob Jake was texting me because I was seeing deer and he wasn't. He was salty. Um, Gar-holding, man. I, I really did. I felt so bad. <laughs> I, I, I would never, ever recommend another spot to somebody if I've never been there. I'm like, just do what you want, bud. Do what you want. Man. Yeah, I, I felt horrible. But anyways, like right around 9 o'clock, I was messing on my phone, dude. And I just happened to look up. And there is a freaking huge buck walking right to left, right in front of my main shooting lane. That's like probably 10 yards wide, right in front of me, dude, at 25 yards, right to left. And I look at the body. I'm like, that's a big deer. I look at his rack. I'm like, Jesus, dude. I mean, it's a freaking dude awesome deer great deer like dude a deer i'd be i say as i said on facebook or on instagram on the story after the fact i don't shake very often like it takes quite a bit to get me like quote-unquote book fever dude i was shaking like a leaf like literally knee knocking just shaking right like if you watch the video like the phone can't i can't hold the phone still um <laughs> but i see the deer i instantly just kick the camera on point it in the general direction like where he's walking just turn it on zoom out a little bit grab my bow the second I do that, he like turns and starts working up the up the fence row, and he goes behind to fix up. I can't see him anymore. He's gone. And dude, I was like, dude, I was heartbroken. I'm like, that was the time. If I would have had, if I would have saw him before he came to the opening, which I, I would have, if I would have paid attention, easily, I, I believe. Again, it's, it's hindsight, 2020. Could have stopped that deer right there in that freaking wide open area. Camera already on, already pointed that direction like it was, and just grabbed the bow and shot, dude, 25 yards and. You know, as long as the shot went through, could have had a really good deer. I mean, like a huge deer. Big. It would have been by far the biggest deer I've ever killed. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, big deer. Oh, dude! And he walked off, and dude, I, and he came through so quietly. Because you know how you talked about earlier, like sometimes they can be like loud, sometimes they can be quiet. Oh, dude, yeah. That buck by so quietly, but he was just cruising. I mean, he was just nine o'clock walking. Wasn't like skittish, and this was just walking through, dude. I mean, just quiet. I was like, God, man. I mean, kicking myself. I got, a, I did. I was like, cursed my phone. I was like, it's all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, oh silly millennial. <laughs> yeah, dude, that, that art man. It really did. Because I was like, man, I had my chance. Dang, that sucks, dude. That sucks. So that buck was out, just, just try, just walking around, just doing a walkabout at nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and it, it was it, one thing. I'm, I'm leaving out a lot of what happened the day before. I really need a cover, but the the day before it was really crappy weather, dude. It was like Friday evening, a huge storm front pushed through, and it didn't rain nearly as much as it was supposed to. 
but it was like super high winds. We were having a 40, 40 degree temperature drop uh, in like seven hours. It was a 40 degree temperature drop that night. It was crazy. Um, high winds, spitting rain, just like nasty weather, dude. And I felt like that kind of probably kept the deer kind of bedded down a little bit. I feel like they fed quite a bit that morning and just was on their feet a whole bunch. Um, but what come to find out, I came back and hunted that spot because I moved up onto that fence row. I found a good spot on that fence row I got set up on. I hunted that that evening, dude, and I did not see a single deer, uh, which was extremely surprising. Dude, I brought, I came prepared this time. When I was the first time I was in Tennessee, I shot that spike. I didn't carry my game bag or knife with me. This time I brought everything with me because I'm like, dude, I'm killing something tonight, dude. Doe, buck, something's going to die. I get there freaking not, not a deer shows up. Man, that sucks. Yeah. So, sounds like you're having a good October lull though, right? Oh, of course, dude. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Well, and another thing is, so Jacob, that evening, he went and that cut that, the uh, cut corn where he saw those bucks spar and he didn't see any deer. He saw some turkeys though. Um, but... Um, yeah, dude, just, it was like no activity that evening in, in those areas. But the evening before, I, which I, I want to kind of help go over this, that Friday evening, dude, I probably saw 25 deer on public, okay? Both while hunting and then while cruising around driving. Um, I got to a spot, dude, that I had drop pins on, and I was going to make a very quick, really, I was just scouting with my bow in my hand, but when I got into a certain area, I was going to still hunt, Okay. Kind of wind was blowing, you know, probably five miles an hour. wasn't nothing crazy. Overcast. And I get down in this down along the creek bottom, start walking down a, a legit hiking trail. Like, legit hiking trail. There's You can see people's been walking there with tennis shoes on. I start easing through, dude, and there's it's a transition area. It goes from, like, privet and, again, some kind of – I don't know what trees grow in river bottoms and creeks that aren't oaks, but they're – the ugliest tree I've ever seen. I, that's all I can explain to you. Um, good luck getting a climb around them. But it, they're very sporadic, and there was a ton of privet up underneath them. And the privet was anywhere from knee high to, you know, head high. I'm easing my way through going super slow, dude, just kind of looking around. And it, it's it's overcast enough to the point where I'm just looking for anything that stands out that looks unnatural, like a horizontal back of a deer you know, horizontal leg, ear, nose, something like that while I'm, cr- while I'm walking through, easy. And I catch that horizontal back of a deer, dude, in the privet. And I stop. And then, I like, and it's through the privet. And I can just see the, the line of its back. And then it moves. I'm like, oh, yeah. It's like 25 yards. And now I look over to the left. I see an ear flicker, like, through the privet. I'm like, okay. I start seeing there's three does right there in front of me, dude, at, like, 25, 30 yards. And, I, you know, I, I, I've got an arrow already knocked at this point. And I get the range finder out, range it, and I'm like, okay, there's an opening off to the left, opening off to the right, they just got to move. And I sit there, and I got the binos, I start looking out at the binos, and I go to move, and I got too cocky, man. And I go to, like, shift just a little bit to the right where I can maybe get a better shot angle, dude. And all of a sudden, a deer blows, and I was like an idiot. Instead of, again, looking for more deer, I got fixated on those deer, and there was one or two does standing in the wide open off to my left. So these deer were like at my 12 o'clock position. Mm-hmm. The ones I was looking at originally. There was two at my 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock that were standing there in the wide open. No perfect around them that I could have freaking shot. And I didn't notice until they blew. And then by the time I looked at them and I saw like, oh my God. They all turned and they all kind of just like 
ease and like trotted off up back up the hill through the cedars. And there was there was nine does or nine deer. I didn't see any antlers on them, but I'm gonna say nine does. Uh, so there was a ton of deer there, way more than I thought. Uh, which funny thing is, you know, a lot of guys talk about. Uh, I give a great example. Like, you know, Glenn Solomon was talking about. Um, you know, he wants to, you know, go really far down these access trails, and then he wants to get pretty far off those trails. Well, in situations like this, dude, I wasn't super far down the trail, and I was not even off the trail. I was literally standing on the trail, dude, when I was seeing the deer, okay? Mm-hmm. And again, I was like, the deer don't care as long as there's cover, and it was thick cover, dude. It was thick privet in this area that hit the deer pretty freaking well. Like, if you weren't paying attention, you weren't going to see him, except for the two deer that were standing in the wild open that clearly I did not see. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And after going in there, dude, I was looking around, and they weren't feeding on oaks. They were feeding on, there was a bunch of just green vegetation. Everything was still really lush in there, and they were just browsing on all that. Like, there wasn't one thing they were spe- like specifically uh, targeting, Yeah, uh, which was pretty slick. So Yeah. Now, so, yeah, the whole still hunting thing, that's going to be the last thing we cover for, t- well, so this drops Monday. Tuesday is opening day in Alabama, and it's going to be raining for sure. Uh, like two inches of rain, and I'm hunting. I don't care what happens. I'm hunting. Uh, so we'll talk about that here in a minute. But we gotta hear about Thomas's second day. So Jacob, I'll let you question your brother on that one. All right, I'm ready. So Thomas, okay. So we had day one. You saw some deer. What was your plan going into day two, which was today? So day two, my plan was to actually get some boots. Which honestly. I don't know. I would probably would have still rather had my tennis shoes on because I had to wear my girlfriend's dad's boots, and those suckers were eights, and I wear elevens. And let's just say, <laughs> let's just say my toes were like curled up the whole time. They're eights, was, man. Yes, he's got a little bitty foot. He's like, I know, <laughs> but yeah. So that was not the best thing. But so I go back in to the same spot where, and I in my head, I was like. I don't know if this is a good idea because the night before that, I just blew four does out of there. But I was like, screw it. This is the only place I can really go to that I have, like, I know these deer. And I was like, I don't think many people are going back there anyway, so I don't think they'll be that spooked. So I do the same thing as I did the day before. And I start walking along the water again, which the water actually went, it went down a lot. Like, it was probably five six feet back from where it was the day before so i was able to actually walk deeper into where i was just overnight and uh so i get back in there and i'm like those does came out the night before 100 yards 150 yards down the marsh so i decided to push a little deeper and just because i knew they weren't bedding in that marsh since the night before i didn't really see any bedded deer so uh, I pushed a little deeper, and I'm the night before I was there. I didn't get set up till about four. Today I got set up at two o'clock. So I, I was two hours earlier than what I was the day before, which was a good thing because around two thirty I had a little five or six walk out in the woods to my right, which is bordering the marsh, and uh, he was just. Yeah, I think he was just cruising. I mean, he wasn't really eating or anything, munching. He was just going off. So uh, 
I would have shot him if he was a little closer, but I can't sh shoot through uh, brush. But uh, and then as soon as that buck passed, I looked behind my shoulder, and uh, there was a doe working along the edge across from me. So where I'm set up this time is on this. Uh, it's the marsh is running east west, and uh, I I'm on the south side of the marsh. So uh, where I'm set up is there's a little kind of like a little finger that kind of looks like a little point on the running east to west. So I set up on the edge. So right after that buck walks past, uh, I look behind my shoulder and there's a doe probably 40, 50 yards from me. And I figured she would work towards me, but she just went back in the woods where I think, I think they staged there. I'm not really sure what they're doing, but so they, uh, so that doe just works around and then I don't see another deer till five o'clock. So that was almost two and a half, three hours until I see another deer, which, uh, I saw a, when I mean big, it was big, but, uh, probably he was bedded. So I don't know how I didn't see him when I was walking in, but here's to the, let me think on the east side of the marsh in this little thicket there is probably it's probably eight feet tall they're not even trees they're more of what would you call that jake do you know like saplings? Like, no they're not saplings i don't know exactly what they were honestly because i haven't been on that side of the marsh yet sounds like a but hedge he, or something yeah kind of like a yeah so he's paul he's in the dead of these hedges and all you can see is his antlers, and he's just looking around. He's not really, he's not standing up. Awesome. Dude. So I'm like, now, so I'm looking now, whoa, through these. Whoa, 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 Is he on like yeah. the, is he on the, like, so like Jacob said earlier, this marsh is like an oval shape, and the oval runs like east and west. So he, you said he's yeah. on the east side. Is he like he's on, on the, the east side. Is he on the edge of it, or is he like kind of in the middle? No, he's kind of in the middle, honestly. Okay. Because, so he's not on the edge and he's not in the middle, like, he's more of, like, kind of hard to explain, honestly. It's, uh, I would say, yes, it's in the middle, but the hedges look like it's the edge, but it's not, if that makes sense. The hedges are isolated in the middle. Okay, and to also to give people an idea, so it is like an oval shape, but the western, uh, actually, no, never mind, never mind. I was about to say something incorrect. The eastern side is like the wider side of this thing, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so the that side, um, I believe, I don't know, is there a beaver dam there by chance? There is, like, there's not a beaver dam, but you can definitely tell there's beavers in there because, like, most of those trees in there, especially if you even look on the map, they're all falling over, and that's from the beavers. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, okay, 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 I got you. So this buck is on the... He's basically on the like the bigger end of this oval. Like it, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of more like a triangle. Uh, or tear. Yeah, or like a teardrop. Yeah, it's a lot like a teardrop. Yeah, actually. So yeah, and he's yeah. on like the fat end of it, uh, kind of like the the eastern third. And there's like a like a little thicket right there of like hedges, kind of in the middle. Yeah, that's where he's laying. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, he's right in the middle of his hedges. And this buck, um, I started shaking. I mean, I was like, oh, my God, 
what is this thing? <laughs> and uh, anyway, so I just keep watching him. And uh, soon enough, he, he kind of like, I don't know if he lays down, but I don't see his antlers anymore. So I'm like, and this is at, let me tell you, I think this was at around 5 o'clock, around that time. And the, the sun, I think the reason why I didn't see him before is because the sun, the angle of the sun, because he's on the east side, and when that sun started going down, that light was shining right on him. So, uh, all I see is antlers. And then he gets up and starts walking to his, to the east. And just so everyone knows, to the east of this marsh, there's like a bunch of hay fields. I don't even know if they're hay because I've never been out there, but there's fields. So, I just assume he's going towards the fields right before dark so uh he gets up and starts walking away and he makes it out of the marsh i don't see him anymore so i'm like dang man that should have if i would have set up where i was friday night i probably i would have been 40 yards from him oh i was like i know so anyways so yeah yeah. go ahead so basically once that buck uh, moves off that five point earlier that I saw five or six point, I don't know what he was, is works his way. So it took that deer, that little buck, two hours to get from where I was to where, where that big buck was walking to. So I don't know what that buck was doing in between that time, but he might have went bedded down and then got back up and started walking again. But right after that big buck walked, probably 30 minutes later, that little buck started going on the east side again. And going towards those fields. Dude. So, uh, man, it sounds like you're, it sounds like you're in like a overlooked spot to me. I mean, I don't know what you think, Jacob, but that sounds like overlooked as crap because it's not the thickest stuff, but I mean, man, it sounds like you're in the dang deer for sure. Right? Yeah. 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 And for anybody wondering what this looks like, because again, I just saw it on the map. Uh, it's like, it's kind of, this is kind of like your classic, like dried up beaver pond look like, you know, you got like throughout most of the Southeast, you got all these ponds or I mean, all these creeks going everywhere. And I mean, there's not really many natural ponds around here, like at all uh, throughout most of the South. And, uh, like most of the ponds are going to be like man-made or beaver made or whatever. Um, so to me, this looks like it probably got dammed up by beavers, and it was probably dammed up for, like, a very long time. There's probably a beaver colony there for a long time, and there's just a space where there's just no trees. I mean, everything has died for whatever reason, probably because it was flooded for a while. And I guess the beavers might have left or something or, or died out or got trapped out or something, uh, and their dam fell into disrepair, and so that, that swamp that they had created kind of drained And when that happens, you end up with like this marsh thing that you're talking about where there's no trees there. It's like just an opening in the forest and you have like all all this grass and everything. Like that's that's pretty common throughout the southeast. I've got a spot a lot like that. Uh, So it creates like all this habitat diversity and this nice little thicket out there in the woods. And I mean, if people are wondering what it looks like, that's that's kind of the, the rundown. Like if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, then... You could probably identify it pretty easily on a map because it's going to stick out. Because, again, it's, it's kind of like just an open field. And there will be like those little, 
it it looks like trails running through it, but it's actually like little channels of the creek, right? Yeah. Yeah. All those little, yep. Just, uh, that's all water, basically. Mm-hmm. Where the trails are. Yeah. Jacob, you got any, any questions on that? Yeah, dude. When's mine about to come up there and, and slock? Uh, come on. I'm already working on, not this weekend coming up, but the next weekend, my fall break, and I'll get third Friday off. And I'm going to be going hardcore in either in that spot or I'm going to go try to scout some more, but. Hey, dude, be don't, sweet. don't go leaving deer to find deer, Thomas. You're going to do it every time. Hey, I need some waiters. One of y'all need to send me some waiters up here. Hey, Moneybags Myers has got some waiters, right? Actually, yeah, I come on. Mail me up some. Then I'll really kill them. Yeah. Because I'll tell you that, that Friday, I mean, no, yesterday, I had to go out there in tennis shoes. Whew. Talk about those shoes are not gray anymore. <laughs> hey hey man feeling beasty that's what they that's uh, what that's what they say now feeling beasty man if dan uh, infall can go nipple deep in a marsh in wisconsin in december to kill a buck then my gosh i can go ankle deep in water in alabama <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's still warm but uh anyways yeah dude, that's pretty cool um so yeah jake have you got anything else on that no, I mean, well, Thomas, after kind of, like, looking at it and seeing how the, where the deer are coming out at different places, I mean, what's your thoughts on, like, the next next setup or how you're going to hunt next? Yeah, so, really, I, most of those deer are coming from the west, which is that it's, there's not even really pines in there, it's just hardwoods. So, uh, I'm really thinking you need to push back into the, because I don't think they're bedding in there, I just think they're working <laughs> through that. So I think they're bedding up in those hardwood. And uh, I think either to be able to push back in there further, either back to the far, where that be, the far west corner of the marsh. Because so far, the two days I have hunted it, that there are deer coming from the west. The only deer that I've seen come from the east, like actually come from the east, is the two does that I saw later tonight which was you know 45 minutes before dark so really i'm thinking they're pushed back further deeper into that the woods to the left which is the west side gotcha it, yeah no are, are you not gonna try to make a play on that buck if you think he's betting there the big deer yeah uh so what i think since See, the hard part to get to where he was is that I don't have the equipment for it. But, you know, I'm about to have to go croc, crocs deep in there. Might just pour out my old crocs and just walk through that crap because... Yeah, put them in four-wheel drive. You're, you're good. I know. That's what I'm, I'm thinking about it. But I have to be able to cross... So the part that y'all that you can't see on the maps, which is kind of like... it's a You don't think it's there, but it is. Is from that the river that is connected to this piece of public that river is up really high so that water is legit pushed back to the marsh so you have to cross probably like what y'all been seeing on different uh videos of like walking across the marsh that's what it is but it's like chest high so to be able to get to the other side of where that buck is you're gonna have to cross that oh okay is the, is the buck walking through water to get to that field? 
Yes, yes, a walk. Yeah, for sure. Huh? Interesting. That's why he's bedded there, dude. Dude, you can't. It's like the way the only way you get to him if you don't go the way I'm just talking about, which is crossing the. It's part of the lake, really. The river is you have to walk straight across the marsh, but he's looking that way, so you can't get to that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Dude, sounds hmm. like an awesome spot. I want to go hunt it. Hey, when, when's muzzleloader season open? October 19th. Whew, I might need to ship you your muzzleloader, dude. Oh, I, I could have I hit him tonight uh, with it. You think you get close enough to the muzzleloader? Honestly, I probably could. Wait, wait, I was gonna say, if you could shoot him, would you swim across it to go get him? I would definitely. I would, yeah. Underwear. That's it. Swimming. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, dude. dude. Yeah. Dude, you texting? But, somebody? huh? Are you texting somebody right now? No, I was, me. I was, no, I was typing on my computer. Oh, I can hear yeah. that, dude. <laughs> Oh man! Also, well, hey, I, I was gonna I was gonna say one more thing about our hunt. Uh, so this morning it was kind of a bust for me. I really didn't hunt that long. I just kind of hunted for a few hours and then got up and started scouting. Uh, I saw ten deer while scouting. Uh, just ten more does. Dude, every doe I saw this week had at least one fawn. Most of them twins, um, which is kind of crazy. But anyway. Um, Jacob though, he hunted in a spot, which was, it was a small little hard or hardwood little ridge. There was a bunch of red oaks on it right next to a cedar thicket with saplings, which is right next to a small cornfield, cut cornfield. And he saw, I think five or six deer. He actually shot at a doe and a hitter and come to find out, uh, his bow's off by like 16 inches. Something happened to his bow. And, uh, he actually came back home and it was shooting at a target. And uh, completely missing his block target with his uh, broadhead. Ooh, uh, no yeah, point. Hey, that now that same thing. Uh, when Michael Pike killed that doe in Georgia not long ago, uh, when me and him were hunting together, on that hunt we got out there early and we both checked our bows because I just I let a bow target basically live in the bed of my truck. I just leave it back there all season, and uh, both of our bows were off, dude. So, and we checked him and sighted him in and everything and then went hunting and he killed a doe. And we're like, God, man, I'm glad we checked that. Because, dude, stuff just happens to your bow. Like, it'll, and same thing with rifles. It just gets out of whack every once in a while. So, definitely a good point. You got to check that. Yeah, I told him that I normally bring a target with me, especially when I go out of state for that reason. But, anyway, so he shoots that doe and completely, she's walking right to left on, on camera. Great video. But, he goes to shoot and he hit dude like right in front of the shoulder, right in front of the leg, like at the very bottom of the brisket, dude, and just like grazing the bottom of her brisket. Um, and you know, he finds the arrow, it's got a bunch of fat on, like just the fletching. There's no blood on it other than like one fletching. And there's no blood on the ground. He tracks the deer and actually saw the deer back down. He walks up to it, he gets up and runs off, and there's no blood in the bed. I'm like, that deer is fine. But he actually, while he's sitting there, dude, before he shot that doe, at like nine o'clock, he had a he, it was another huge deer, very big deer, come up right next to him. Uh, he hunted out on my saddle, and it came up like at his seven o'clock position, um, walking up towards him, and it was coming right down the cedars, um, down the cedars, and uh, like right on the edge of a bunch of like saplings. He looked back at it, 
got a really good view of it. And I can't, I don't know if he's got footage of it. He tried to get his camera turned around, but the deer had him. He didn't have him pegged, but the deer was like staring in his general direction. So Jacob paused and kind of just sat there for a second. And was like going to grab his bow. And he like paused, grab his bow. And then like it got quiet and he finally grabbed the boat, turned around, and the buck wasn't there no more. Um, and like just kind of disappeared. But he said it was it was a mid one thirties, upper one uh, a mid one thirties or low one forties buck. Um which is a freaking great deer out there, man. But there's I mean that, that that's two for sure, you know, high quality deer, definitely mature deer that we've seen in, in two days out there. Uh all within the same, you know, one square mile area. That's so. impressive. Well dude. I mean, it's still early as crap, man. You still got a lot of time. The rut's not even here yet, so things are looking up uh, for Tennessee. That's for sure. Yeah, what October lull? What October lull? That's what I'm talking about. Speaking of which, uh, we got to wrap this thing up. Dude, Tuesday, it's going to rain, 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 rain in Alabama, big time, which is ironic because we were talking about how if it didn't rain, that uh, – that water would maybe be something good to target on opening day for Alabama. Well, opening day is tomorrow, um, basically. So speaking like when this drops, we're recording this on Sunday night. It'll drop tomorrow on Monday. Tuesday season opens. So tomorrow uh, season opens. It's going to rain like two inches for most of the state, um, at least most of the central part of the state. That's what they say. Um, so... Dude, I'm gonna hunt it. I got all day Tuesday to hunt. I'm I'm gonna get out there. I don't care if I get wet. Um, whether or not it gets to be filmed, you know, that's to be determined. I'm gonna do my best, uh, but I can't like ruin my five hundred dollar camera. So um but dude, I I don't know where I'm gonna go. So this is something that 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 you know, we don't claim to be necessarily very qualified deer hunters, like when you're getting advice from us, like we can hold our own in the deer woods. But when it comes to like killing like a big mature buck, that that's why we have other people on because there's people out there that are a lot better than us. But I will say that Jacob, you have a thing for freaking killing deer off the ground in the rain. Like you do it all the time, especially last year. So I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on what I should do opening day? What do you think? Oh, dude, find some place that's a either a thick bottom. It depends if there's. If it's not a whole bunch of wind and it's just like rain coming down, like maybe a five, you know, five, eight mile an hour wind, depending on where you're going, if you're coming up here, I would try to find a really freaking thick, nasty creek bottom to work up and down or work, or work, you know, side hill. Um, either that or work your way through some of these, uh, you know, kind of, um, uh, uh, what, I'm trying to think, how can I say it without giving it away? Uh, these sparse pine areas. Uh, it's like short pines. Oh, I got, I, I got you. Like that's what I would target, dude. I'll take the binos with me, and I would like, even if it's raining, dude. I try to get a place where I can like glass some of that stuff and kind of ease my way through it, and just try to find deer either bedded or feeding. But I mean, I would definitely try to work any kind of like transition areas, dude, and just kind of like steal it your way. But I mean, just understand you're gonna get freaking soaked even with rain gear on. Yeah, uh, but yeah. it's fun. It's freaking a blast. I'll tell you, I know. A, a, I'm trying to think right now. I know one creek I would definitely do that with, depending on what the wind was, for sure. Yeah. I'd work the transition line on it. Man, so. I, I had a heck of a spot. So I was scouting um, earlier this or Saturday. Uh, Saturday afternoon I was scouting, and I, I thought I had this perfect, perfect overlook spot, man. And I get in there, and I start looking around, and I can't find anything. I'm like, man, I know there's something in here. i got to keep looking. 
So I'm like picking this place apart, really getting into it, looking hard. And then I find a big freaking corn pile. And I was like, God dang, man, somebody has come in here, poured out a bunch of corn. And like now that woodlot is like useless. First of all, there's a guy hunting it. But second of all, like obviously I can't hunt near it because I'll get a ticket and that would be bad. So uh, that kind of dashed my hopes for that spot. So now I'm kind of I'm kind of up in the air. I'm I'm not necessarily decided uh, on where I'm gonna go. So yeah, me and you are gonna have to talk. I might have to like borrow one of your GoPros or something because if it's gonna rain that hard, I can't. Eat, I'm not gonna be able to bring my my big camera like at all. I might just try and film everything with a GoPro, especially if I'm still hunting. Um, but dude, I'm pretty excited because it's gonna be like 80 degrees tomorrow. At least where I'm at, it's gonna be like 80 degrees, and then the next day it's gonna be like low 70s, and then that night it's gonna go like uh, down in like the 40s or something. So. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, dude, I almost froze to death last night. Got down to 35 degrees. I was sleeping in the, sleeping in the truck in a, in a parking lot with me and Jake was in his truck, dude. It got freaking cold. I had a 20-degree bag on, dude, and I, I, like, zipped up as high as I could, dude, put my head inside it, dude. It was chilly, man. Nice. So, yeah. We just we need some of that down here. That would be awesome for Alabama. But, yeah, dude, I'm freaking excited. Again, we've had a ton of encounters so far this year. It, dude, I've had all these encounters, and Alabama season's not even in yet. Like that gets me so freaking fired up, dude. Me too, man. I've been doing great in Georgia. I've been having a, I've been having a great time in Georgia. I've seen a lot of cool stuff already, and uh, yeah, Alabama hadn't even opened. So, and our, our big campout is in not not this week, but it's next week, and that's I mean, dude, I'm so fired up for that. I was just looking at the um, the long term weather forecast, and for like that Saturday. It's got like a 10-degree temperature drop, and the wind is switching to northwest, which is perfect for that island I'm wanting to go hunt. Where I found what? the – oh, son, let me tell you. Big cattail marsh, there's a tunnel, a tunnel that these deer have ran through this cattail marsh where they're coming onto this little oak island and eating acorns. It's going to be – oh, dude, I'm so excited. It, I mean, it's setting up so perfect. I don't know what to do with myself. But, uh, but anyways – um thomas you got anything else what weekend are y'all going camping or whatever to like hunt uh 26th oh, man i was about to say i don't know if, i think my fall break is 24th through the 28th yeah i mean i might have to swing you know swing down there dude come on we're gonna have a big camp man zach jt freaking adam tyler michael kyle Matt, everybody's gonna be. It's gonna be a great time. We're gonna have a huge camp, man. It's gonna be fun. I mean, I wouldn't. I might have to, but I'll just have to see, see what, see what it holds. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, Jacob, you got anything else? No, dude. I mean, I, I'm just fired up. I mean, we've had again. There's a lot of crazy encounters. Uh, you know, my phone got the best of me on, on my first mature big buck of the year. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing. I'm excited to go back up in there, dude. Like the first week of November. Because a rut there doesn't normally kick off pretty good until, like, the second week of November, give or take. I want to go back that first week of November, dude. I'm taking the rattle antlers with me. And absolutely going to be calling out the deer on that tent trail. It's going to. Yeah. Heck, yeah. So, uh, thanks, everybody, who has bought a hat so far. So, last week, we were like, yeah, they might be available this Sunday. Well, they were available that Sunday. We just had already recorded the podcast. So, we've already sold a bunch of them. So, uh, thanks, everybody. 
who has bought one so far. That's really awesome. We really appreciate it. Um, thanks, everybody, who came out to the range day uh, with Backcountry Hunters and Anglers this past Saturday. We had a like a like a range day where we went to the shooting range on Cahaba Wildlife Management Area just outside of Birmingham. Uh, we BHA provided the targets, so you could go out there and uh, you know sign in your deer rifle right before deer season. Um, we provided food, so there was uh, deer burgers and rattlesnake chili, courtesy of Mr. Wayne Lackey. Thanks, Wayne. Uh, so that was awesome. We gave away a Yeti 75 cooler, so if you weren't there, man, you missed out because you had like one in eight odds or something <laughs> of a win of that thing. So that was really fun. Um, a bunch of bunch of guys bought hats at that. We appreciate everybody who bought a hat there. Um, but yeah, man, uh, that's that's pretty much all I got as far as that goes. If you still want a hat, we still have a few left. Um, not many. So if you want one, snatch it up. Uh, yeah, that's about all I got. Jacob, you got anything else? Actually, I do. Okay, so funny thing with the hats. Okay, no joke. Not I'm not gonna say everyone that's bought a hat, but a lot of guys that have bought hats that have gotten a hat. Have absolutely been killing deer with them, dude. Like no joke, dude. Uh, yeah, that guy uh, from Georgia. Shane, yeah, or, yeah. Shane. Oh my, I forget Shane's last name. Turner or something. I think it's Turpin. I think. God, Shane. I'm sorry if I butchered your <laughs> last name. Dude, killed a mature, big, fat old buck, dude. Huge on buck place. on the same place. I hunt the same place that he killed that buck on. I messaged him about it. Dude, it was crazy. So he's killed that. There's and there's been we've had a lot of other guys you know killing deer with them, but not just that. But we've had a lot of people message us telling us that they they're having success this year. There was a guy that messaged us today. I don't think you saw that Andrew on Instagram that has been using the taxes that a lot of our guests have been talking about on public land, going in blind on an area and killing a really good buck doing it. Um, and it's just amazing. You know, we're getting a lot of feedback from all these different people. And uh, just kind of seeing how it's playing out. So, guys, if you're listener of the podcast and you're having success, you know, with any of these tactics that are, you know, our guests have talked about, message us, send us a photo of what, you know, the, the hunt and everything of the deer, and give us a little write up, and then we'll share that because I've already got, I've got three different hunts that I've got to share for this week of three different guys that's, you know, been using tactics we've talked about on the podcast and uh, have had success with it within the last two weeks. So it's freaking awesome. I love seeing that and seeing that really showcasing that you know the guys that we're having on to represent different parts of the southeast you know they know what they're talking about and if you use a lot of these tactics you can have success especially like two of the guys i know that went in blind using these tactics and killed two really good deer with their bows so uh it's freaking awesome dude publicly and getting it done uh so anyways we appreciate the support and we appreciate everybody uh you know following along with everything we've been doing over the last almost two years now uh, so we're excited, and the rest of the season is going to be – oh, man, it's going to be awesome. So good luck. I say good luck to all the guys getting out in Alabama and also Mississippi. I guess Mississippi opened today – or no, Mississippi opens tomorrow. No, um, no, Mississippi's been open. Well, what part opens on the 14th? Uh, I think it's maybe the south zone. Okay, anyway. Well, part of it is going to be – the last part is going to be open tomorrow. Then. But uh, anyways, everybody good luck. Uh you know, with Alabama's season and everything else, because it's going to be awesome, guys. So, get there, have fun, and especially if you're on public land, uh, stay safe and uh, have a good time. I'm pumped, dude. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody go kill a buck on Tuesday. Everybody from Alabama, go kill a buck tomorrow and then send us a picture of it. We'd appreciate it. So, uh, good luck, good hunting, stay safe, everybody.
All right, guys, we're starting to get kind of close to summer here. And you know what my favorite part about summer is? The Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard us talk about it a lot last year, and we actually got to meet a lot of you guys at that expo. Well, we're excited to announce we're going to be there again. This time it's going to be in Dalton, Georgia, June 28th through June 30th. We are going to be there all three days. We're going to have a bunch of past podcast guests there. We're going to have a booth where you can come by and grab some merchandise. And I'm sure we're going to be recording all kinds of podcasts there. If you're unfamiliar, the Mobile Hunters Expo is the place you need to be if you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast this show was literally made for you it is an excellent group of people that are going to be there a lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there you're going to get to talk to them shake their hand learn from them in person make some connections and guys we get a lot of questions about hey, which saddle should i get which tree stand should i get what about this piece of gear what about that piece of gear how do I meet other hunters who want to hunt the same way that I do? You know, finding a good hunting buddy. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a place for all of that. So you guys don't miss it. June 28th through the 30th, Dalton, Georgia. We'll see you there.